0: Hi, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Volkwine's Music, a full-service shop that's been meeting the musical needs of musicians for over 135 years. They offer a huge selection of instruments, accessories, music, and more. They also have an unmatched instrument repair department with some of the most experienced technicians in the business. For years, they've serviced my personal and school instruments, and their attention to detail is why I and professional musicians from around the globe trust Volkwine's to service their gear. Head over to VolkwinesMusic.com to see what they can do for you. That's V-O-L-K-W-E-I-N-S Music.com, helping people discover music since 1888. Hi everyone, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Steve Weiss Music, percussion specialist since 1961. If you're looking for a rare piece of sheet music, a specialty gong, or anything percussion, Steve Weiss Music will have it. Please visit Steve Weiss music.com or click their link in the show notes. That's S-T-E-V-E-W-E-I-S-S music.com, our percussion series sponsor.
1: Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, Making Art Work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello,
0: Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Javon Gilliam is with us today. He's an extraordinary musician who juggles three careers in different aspects of music. He's the principal tympanist with the National Symphony Orchestra the co-director of percussion studies at the University of Maryland, and he's the founder and owner of Capital Percussion and Backline Rentals near Washington, D.C. While I'm sure we'll touch upon his experiences as a performer and teacher, the focus of this interview will be on his backline company and what he learned that wasn't part of his music education. As with all our guests, we'll link to his bio and websites in the show notes. Javon, thanks for being with us today.
2: Hey, I'm really,
3: really happy to uh, be here. Thank you guys for having me.
0: This is part two of our
3: interview with Javon Gilliam. Uh, so when starting out the the backline company, did you consider uh, other competitors in the area, other, other other people doing similar types of rentals uh, that you were getting into?
2: You asked that question very carefully. Did I consider? No. Should I have? Yes. But <laughs> <laughs> I got lucky in some ways. Um, okay. Again, concert percussion... There are a lot of companies, there are several companies around the country, and of course I know most of these people now that strictly rent concert percussion and make a living doing concert rentals, right? Uh, and I get why that they're going into backline is so daunting, again, because of the barrier to entry. In D.C., there was very little competition, probably because of the barrier to entry, but the competition was large. Competition is okay. large. So it's, a, it's one company that does quite a bit of work um, but you know, there's always ways to find things that you can do different, dare I say better, or, you know, try to, try to do some things sure. different. And so, you know, um, being a musician and being a business person go hand in hand. Uh, the, as you guys know that, right? We have the skill set because we sit in this room and we practice all day and we over, and, you know, overanalyze the and the details and all the stuff that those are business skills, right? My best friend went to business school at uh, North Carolina and got an MBA, and we've talked about this. and He's an entrepreneur. We've, we've talked about this at nauseum. The skills that we talk about every day, the skills that we use every day in business, were not taught in the classroom, right? There they were taught about how to like you know use Excel, or, like how to. What's a balance sheet? Don't get me wrong. They learn some things, but like the practical stuff is not really taught in school. It's more learned on the job when you're in the business. And so having having sort of that skill set that musicians have, I think, helped me in my naivety that I was going to have to compete with other people. And this company's been around for a while. So there's loyalty and there's all this other stuff that I didn't understand. But, you know, um, you work hard. You try to provide a great product. Uh, we try not to be um, very, it's very important. I tell, try not to be a jack wagon when you're talking to clients because even though they're wrong sometimes, you can't make them feel that way. All the stuff yeah. that you kind of know, that stuff matters. And I think that's why we have been, uh, that's why we've grown to where we are.
3: Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a great point. You know, sitting, to your point about, you know, an MBA sitting there with a spreadsheet doing five, 10 year financial projections. It's very different than a gigging musician going out and doing an audition and getting the gig or not getting the gig. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, and and then what do you do after that? You know? So there's, there's something very sort of um, different, but very real about that experience as, as a, as an artist. Yeah.
0: For this next question, we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about branding. You had said you, Change your brand, or you brand the shed differently than the backline, so s- since you rent a variety of instruments, did you ever consider changing the company's name so it's not so specific to percussion? That's a good
2: question so the name the original name was capital percussion that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how it started and so when I switched to backline, I did go through a brand a rebrand um the logo that we have now um I paid for. Like I sent it out to people and I had them—I uh, don't mm-hmm. know if "bids" the right word—but I had a few options to choose from, um, and so I wanted to uh, do something that kept the old company intact, but at the same time, made a uh, described exactly what we're doing. Asking me this now and today, if I known then what I knew now, I probably would have rebranded the whole company to something slightly different, uh, just because. Like it says backline in the name. Like I make sure that that's always said. Every email signature, everything it says that. Uh, but I, you know, I wanted to keep what I had built. Even though, mm-hmm. like I said, looking back, I should have changed it all the way. Um, I think if I would have had a chance, I would have changed to National Backline Company. Right, that's oh, a lot okay. more broad, bigger national means. We and we do, we do gear. We we send gear everywhere. We send gear worldwide. Right, well you're so, on ninety five, right? So I mean, right. yeah, you, know, you could. Um, and we have, and I mean, we are. We do have gear all up and down the East Coast right now, so like I, I knew, and I've thought about that. But at this point, like people that know know, and like you know, we 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 have a game plan to try to try to to try to succeed where we are. So, but I definitely did think about that. But we did change the name, and I added the plus backline rentals once I decided to go full bore into uh, backline.
3: Yeah, this is sort of a. um off topic question but is, does it does it stress you out to have gear all over the world it's your gear all over the world
2: yes and no it does because you know it it's my yeah. gear but it's rental gear so like it's not like they're using my timpani right it's not like they're using my <laughs> drums and so i understand that that's the way it goes and that there's you know there's breakage and there's you know there's attrition and people steal stuff and like you know i was just doing to Because it's slightly slow in the month of August here, my whole team is doing inventory. I just told you we got 20 plus thousand pieces of equipment. And so we have to go through every piece and check off in our system that it's actually there. And what I just did this morning with Sabrina is we were talking about changing nine volt batteries that are spares in our system. So, for example, if you if you get a guitar or if you get a if you get a guitar that's a pickup, you have to have a battery in it. Right. So the pickup to work. So we also we send the battery in the guitar. We also send you a spare just in case. Mm-hmm. We that's didn't good. charge for these spares, right? And then they started to walk. Mm-hmm. Or we don't and we don't know if the client used a fresh battery or right. they took it. So we change an entire system. When you get a spare, we charge you for it. Right? And so it's all yeah. these things that we're figuring out, like, you know, these super tiny details that and it's all automated in our system. And it's great. And so that's the kind of stuff that you kind of, you know.
0: Oh, it's well, insidious. Boy, uh, you don't, yeah. You don't see it. It's not top of mind. Right, and to right. your question, Andy, I bet it's just his answer is the inverse of what you think. He worries about it. It's just that every day he walks in that inventory, he kind of weeps a little bit when he sees in- inventory <laughs> yeah, standing well, that's there, true. not right. being monetized. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I that. Sh- there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. right.
2: My um, biggest concern isn't that it that it that it's out. My biggest concern is that my guys and my crew drop it off correctly. And bring it back correctly, you know, because it's
3: one piece of gear, (laughs) you know. Well, and so I'm I'm sure in the agreement or contract or whatever, you have uh, protection for things like breakage or whatever, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mistreatment or
2: whatever. Yeah, I mean, we have, you know, the the general liability, we have insurance for that. That, you know, I mean, it's the same thing just like anything else. Like if you want to, Tell your insurance company that somebody stole some batteries. They'll they'll replace them, right? But then your insurance goes up, <laughs> but, yeah, right? Exactly. And so we we find a balance. We've only had one time where somebody's stolen our equipment uh, for like legit stole our equipment, and so then the other stuff is either it gets left behind or an artist accidentally takes it and they have it off to Australia. So there's no way for us to get it back. Like it's other issues like that that yeah, we yeah. deal with, and then that's where your account
3: comes in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked a bit, a little bit about this earlier. Uh, you said 19 was your best year. And then, of course, the pandemic uh, hit. Um, and you said things are kind of starting to pick up again here. Mm. So um, what sorts of new problems are you experiencing now with, with uh, things kind of coming back? The two problems that we've
2: had and they're good problems to have is when this past uh, quarter or 2022, basically, uh, the floodgates opened we were slammed we were slammed mm-hmm. so we had more work than labor <laughs> we do and miraculously we did it uh but my guys were exhausted um so that was the that was the problem that we had is that when the when when people started to come back from from covid they came back with a vengeance the the gigs yeah. came a lot and we miraculously got them all done and for this last month i have been giving all of my full-time so i have four full-time uh four full-time employees and 10 part-timers. And okay. so I've given all my full-time guys and, and, and gals days off, time off, you know, nine to three, nine to two, nine to four, whatever, because, you know, September's coming and our calendar's yeah. already full. So that's yeah. the first problem is that we didn't have enough people for the gear or the amount of projects that we did. Uh, but we sure. made we made it through that, knock on wood. Uh, the second one is that The Shed is effectively, which I did not expect, is effectively a, new, a second business. Right? Mm-hmm. I ended up building the shed, building this rehearsal facility because the plot of land that I had was in a, in a desirable area that was expensive. So I wanted to create passive income that, for mm-hmm. the gear that I already had and then provide a service that there not there aren't that many rehearsal facilities in D.C., uh, you know, so I wanted to provide a service that was needed. So I thought this would be a win-win, and we could kind of umbrella it under the CP situation with the same guys, and we'll figure it out. It's 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 a whole second thing. So I've hired a general manager for the shed and an assistant general manager for the shed. And while they do do CP work sometimes, because CP is still much busier, um, when there's shed stuff, like they know that that's their priority. Um, we just booked, and I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we just booked uh, Cindy Blackman Santana to come rehearse oh, at wow. the, in our space, uh, you know, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, we've had, you know, we've had a couple other large artists come in and rehearse use the space. And that's where I'm realizing that's where the profit margin is is greater mm-hmm. than percussion students coming into practice every day. Sure. You know, yeah. Because that's what I built it for, people like me. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's a membership-based subscription okay. So, which is, for example, students have as a student rate, which is two hundred bucks a month, and it's twenty four seven access. So yeah, the whole cool. place is access controlled. All the rooms have smart locks. So you get in through your smartphone. Your smartphone's your key, and then you give us a pin. We set the pin on Studio C, so that mm-hmm. you want to come in from two to eight at Studio C, from one forty five to eight fifteen. Your pin works for that number for that studio.
0: That's cool. that's, you tell us that's what we great. want.
2: And we bring it in from the back. You need a five octave, two timpani cymbals. We bring it in. You have it. Once it's done, wow. if we need to flip the room. We flip the room. So the gear is awesome. already here. It, that's that was the whole impetus behind the shed. So
0: now, do you have recording capability there? So if I'm a cellist and I want to record for an audition, they mm-hmm. can they can do that.
2: So in-house, we have mixers and all the sound stuff that we just talked about for the backline portion. So we had to supplement that for, again, you talk about cellists and you talk about like classical musicians. So we have, I'm, I'm learning, we have AKG 414s, something like <laughs> that. We got, we got, I forget, or two fourteen You know the model numbers. Something. Because they're in because they're in my they're in my they're in my uh, inventory system, inventory. which is <laughs> which is the, the 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 page that's right behind the Zoom page, right? I can see. So we have AKG, a couple of those, and then some SE eights or something. Uh, I forget. We have some other stuff that we have purchased for our our genre of people right and so we that's what we have in-house if you want to bring your own thing we obviously have plenty of stands and everything so we have Mm -hmm. those and then of course on the backline side we've got all the sm57s 58 switches iems wireless Mm -hmm. monitors wedges we have all that stuff so we and then we have the consoles that they can plug into uh and do that themselves so we offer what we have and then of course we partner with other companies so if somebody needs a Midas or CL5, like those bigger consoles, we can get them and bring them in. So that's cool. Yeah. So I don't know, is that great? Is HKG 414? Is that, yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's, I think that's standard, right. right? Yeah.
3: Pretty standard issue stuff right. for right. studios. Yeah. And the C right. 8s Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: As, I was prefer- As I was preparing questions for, for our interview, there was an accident door. It could have been negligence on a stage in Hong Kong where I a monitor saw fell. Yeah, yeah it inj- injures some performers. So that caused me to wonder if there were any legal or insurance concerns as you expanded in the in the back line. You do some other sound as well. Specifically concerns that you hadn't previously considered.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I did see that. Um, we have been lucky to not have that type of thing happen, but the way that... It works The way that it works for us so far is that our insurance covers our equipment when we are transporting it and if anything happens to it. If once it's on site, then it becomes the venue's liability. All right. Um, And that's backline. Now, the sound thing, the thing that fell from the ceiling, you'd, you'd imagine that that was the venue's piece of equipment. So therefore, they would be liable. I don't know how that works for sound companies that fly um, yeah, you know the fly line arrays. I'm not sure if that works, but from our perspective, um, we our certificate of insurance, our insurance ensures our equipment if it's in transport or whatever. And then for these larger, co- um, these larger projects and loads that we have, when we have to give COIs to venues, like mm-hmm. it covers. We cover ourselves in those instances as well. So we definitely, when it's big artists, we have to send COIs and we ask for COIs, uh, certificates of insurance to make sure that everybody's covered. Everybody's covered. mm -hmm, In general, the way I understand it is that the venue is liable for any of the equipment when it's in the venue. But the the Hong Kong situation, you'd have to think that that piece of equipment was, yeah. So maybe the venue could sue the people that set it up. Maybe? Mounted it,
3: yeah.
0: Mounted I it, ultimately, maybe? Ultimately, yeah. ultimately it no, no, comes down to
3: who's willing to pay more for all yeah, your fees, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. and you don't do, you don't, you do have
2: some sound, but but not line arrays. Like my sound yeah. stuff, you can't. It doesn't fly. It doesn't go. Whatever we have, everything we yeah. put goes on sticks, you know, or yeah. on the floor. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Somebody would have to throw it,
3: right? <laughs> right. It makes. I just last night was watching um, Trainwreck, which is uh, sort of a documentary of the Woodstock '99 mm-hmm. and how all the all the things that went wrong. Um and one of the last things that the people did before they left was they tore down one of these huge towers with these you know huge ah, yeah. arrays. Um yeah. anyways, it made me th- it makes I, me cringe. I, I, exactly, and I knew yeah. we were having this conversation today mm-hmm. and I'm like, hmm, yeah. 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 Um <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe stay away. That would be like a horror film for you. So stay away from yeah. that. Uh, yeah, we're <laughs> lucky
2: that DDC and I'm sure like other larger places maybe like New York and LA like because we work with established venues like you know there's right, security yeah. around so like if somebody yeah. did that at Wolf Trap yeah. or whatever like they get the park <laughs> service to come in I, I would hope right. to think but ho- you yeah. never know
3: the other thing is I was you know watching this it's it's just strange it's all pre nine eleven. so like I don't mm-hmm. know just the whole the whole security concept right. was very different different yeah anyways true. a lot looser mm-hmm. yeah well Javon we've reached the part of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions And the first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an entrepreneur in your art form? So I guess you could take that. We're we're mostly talking about the backline uh, Mm. rental business here today. So in that in that area.
2: Yeah, it's it's a different type of business to get into. Like I said, there is a large barrier to entry. So I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't have done this if I didn't know that. Like I don't think I would have. It was very I was very naive about it. I mean, and once you kind of get into it, I do love it, but it's a large. It's it's a, it's it's cash heavy in the front. You have to be able to sort of survive, uh, you know. And like you know, I, said I was able to survive because I had another job. So I think that's the first piece of advice: getting into backline. And then Squeaky wheel gets the grease, just like any new business, unless there's some sort of built-in market share that you already have. Right. You know, you have to sort of beat the pavement and, you know, try to meet the people. And then, like I said, don't be a jack wagon. You got to be a good person. People want to work with people they like, you know, and it doesn't matter how good your equipment is. And a lot of times it doesn't even matter if you're the lowest price. That matters a lot, but you can have the lowest price but if you're not a good person. It's not, it's not going to sustain
0: what can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? I think that companies like mine
2: that are doing things in the community need to make sure that they connect with other organizations, both arts and, you know, uh, other organizations in the community to sort of reach out to them and try to use your platform to Create community. Um, I think that's really important um, is having a network of people in your community that you can rely on to do things. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give your way, give away your product for free. Uh, mm-hmm. There's you have to do pro bono things. I mean, you can. But even at the same time, like even if you connect with the local school that's down the street and say, hey, I've got all the I've got 15 gym bays. Right they don't always go out at the same time, so maybe I can give you four or five two days a week, and you can like that helps foster the arts in yep. the school and of course, no school's gonna say no to free equipment or no to helpful equipment whatever. and so even then it's like trying to build those relationships uh and that's one of the reasons why I was proud of moving c p and subsequently the shed where we did where in College Park, on campus at the University of Maryland, very luckily, and like I jumped into being a part of that community. I want to be a part of the College Park community, a part of the campus community, so that you know we can grow together. You know, yeah. um, and I, as a business person, of course, you'd like that to you'd like to see that sort of you know become fruits of your labor. But I think that that's the most important thing is to connect with your community in other ways, and you know, try to try to grow in that way.
3: You're right? Sure. And what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever received?
2: I'm trying to think of the best. I have a really amazing network of mentors that I've been kind of connected with. All business people of all all types, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think, think, I'm thinking of one particular person uh, who was one of the only two black Fortune 500 CEOs. Mm -hmm. Um, And he told me, He said, go with your gut. And he was referring to dealing with people. He's like, if this person doesn't, you know, if you don't feel right with this person, there will be somebody else that you can connect with along the same lines, along the same sort of genre that you have a better fit with. He said, go with your gut. So that would probably be the best piece of advice I got to go with my gut. It's
0: it's great. Well, Javon, it's always great to see you. And we're really happy you were able to join us on the podcast.
2: It was really, really great. I love, I love what I do. I love playing drums for a living, but I also love having a business. And like it, it, it really gets me up in the morning. It gets me going. And like I said, the fact that my business is also connected to my profession in that way, it's great. So I'm really happy to talk about it. Uh, you guys are doing a great thing over here. This is very uh, interesting. So I was really glad that you guys asked me to be a part of it. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Javon. Thanks for listening If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast.